The title of my message this afternoon is The Ancient Mountain Path, Reaching the Summit of Your Life. Genesis 12, verses 1 through to 4. The Lord has said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him too. You see, this scripture really doesn't really come to life or paint us the full picture of the context of where Abraham was and the context of his life. Abraham here was in a place called Haran. His father was Terah, who had brought him to this place. He was middle-aged, middle-aged for the spans of life that people lived to in that age. He was 75 years old at the time. That was middle-aged back then. He was a wealthy man. He was a prosperous man. He was a leader of the clan of this great family. He was an aristocrat. He was also polytheistic, meaning he believed in many gods. But in this moment, a defining moment, not just for Abraham, but for all of us who stand here today, He was about to get a call from the one true living God. And he was about to blazon a path to righteousness and to be a prototype of a Christian to the modern day. He didn't know where he was going, but he just stepped out in faith with the word that he received to God and went faithfully on his journey. His obedience required faith. And if there's anything that typifies this man, Abraham, it was a man of unwavering faith who put all of his trust in the living God. He was a trailbreaker. He was a pioneer. He was a man of courage. He was a man of perseverance. He was a man of faith. In 1947, just west of the Dead Sea, There's a place called the Qumran Caves. Now this place was the point of the greatest historical and archaeological find of the 20th century. Three Bedouin shepherds were walking in the area tending to their sheep and they grabbed a stone, one of them, and threw it into the entrance of a small cave. He heard a smashing of jars. They later went on and discovered and looked intrigued by what the smashing of these jars were. And they unveiled earthen jars of ancient scrolls. Hundreds of ancient scrolls would later be discovered as archaeologists went through this area like a fine-tooth comb and unearthed all these great hidden treasures. It was an incredible find, the greatest of the 20th century. Every book of the Old Testament Bible, other than Esther, was discovered. One of its greatest finds was a full manuscript of the book of Isaiah. 
the earliest Old Testament script, uh, manuscript up until this point was 950 AD. The earliest we had of the Old Testament manuscripts up until this point was 950 AD. It was incredible. As a side note, these scriptures went all the way back to 145 BC. The incredible thing was that when they looked at the accuracy and how they resonated with one another, from the manuscripts of about 950 AD to 145 BC, it was 97% accurate. And that 3% were just very small minor details, a slip of a pen here, maybe a, a word in a different place there, but only minor details. You see these people who had hidden these manuscripts was, a, was, a, was a, a Jewish sect, a group of men called the SNs. They were highly intellectual men who made it their life mission to write these manuscripts letter by letter, detail by detail. They were meticulous in what they did. The Romans, you see, they were fearful, were coming after them to to try and destroy these manuscripts, and they were concerned that they would lose this great history and the pathways that these manuscripts represented, that they went and hid them all. It's thanks to them today, a part of, that the word of God we have today, we can be fully confident, is as the originals were originally penned. They were men who preserved the word of God. You see, without this map, without these manuscripts, we become lost. We can see we're almost stood before two mountains in life. Both look very similar on the external, but both have very different paths. And both have very, very different results. Without this manuscript, without these truths that have been preserved... We, society, gets hopelessly lost. It gets hopelessly confused. We get disorientated. We crumble as individuals. We crumble as society. These men preserved the manuscripts that we have today. There was another man, a great man from the 16th century. His name was William Tyndale. He was determined to get these truths into the hands of every believer. You see, back in that time, the authorities would not allow people to interpret or read the Bible for themselves. It had to be unpacked or interpreted by the clergy in that time. This brought about great abuse of the scriptures. It kept people bound. It kept people liberated. But it it was his passion, Tyndale's passion, who was fully uh, 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 versant in the Hebrew and the Greek, to meticulously translate these scriptures into the English. The authorities found out about this and they wanted to capture him. Anybody who was found with an English Bible was thrown into prison. Worse still, some were executed. It wasn't allowed in that time. But this man, Tyndale, a determined man, 
wanted to get these scriptures, wanting to get the living word into each and every person's hand because he knew it was a map. He knew it was the pathway that would take them to the right mountain of life. He knew without them, people would be disorientated, hurt and confused and hopelessly lost and hopelessly led astray. You see, without these manuscripts, without the word of God, we will get lost. We will be led down any path of influence and we will find ourselves at the wrong mountain of life. It was tedious, hard work, but he persevered. And because of him today, we have the Bible in our own native language. In fact, Tisdale said these words, Tinsdale, it hath pleased God to send unto our English man, to as many as genuinely desire it, the scripture in their mother tongue. The invention of the Gutenberg press was invented, and then these scriptures and these paths and these maps were being distributed all over the world and smuggled into country so that every man and woman could have a path for their own. You see, there was great oppression and there was an abuse with people not having these scriptures in their hand. But it was almost that when every man and woman began to read these scriptures themselves and would be began to articulate it and learn it and read it, it was like a light coming on them to the measure of oppression that was during that time, these scriptures, as they were unveiled and opened, were bringing light and liberty to everyone who set their eyes upon them. Tyndale wanted these maps in everybody's hand so they themselves could find their way to the top of the mountain of grace, faith, purpose, and eternal reward. Without it, we end up to a summit that is full of destruction. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Abraham was a man who set ablaze a pathway of faith. The Essens were men who preserved the path for generations later to discover and follow in on. And Tyndale was a man who pioneered and was a man on fire for God to get the gospel into each and every man's hand so society and life and our lives could be transformed by it. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need to godly life through the knowledge of who has called us by his own power and glory. Through this word, through the scriptures, we have the path, we have the way of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and aside from it, we end up going down a path that leads to destruction. You see, there's many statistics on this false mountain, or this mountain that we can be distracted by and end up going down without the word of God. Do you know, just last week, it was Mental Health Awareness Week, and without the word of God, we end up going down a path. We end up reaching to a mountaintop that is hollow, that is full of false summits and false promises. Its path is lined with neon lights that promise so much, but at its core, it is empty. Some of the statistics of life on this mountain, aside of the word of God, 
The biggest killer for men is suicide under the age of 45. Female suicide is now its highest in one decade. This path says we don't need God's ordained, designed way of marriage. It says we will make our own path by design or by default or through naivety. One of the ways is we don't need God's model of marriage. They go their own way. It promises so much. It delivers so little. The statistics speak for themselves. Just 50% of cohabiting couples end in marriage. Cohabiting couples have a separation rate five times that of married couples. Cohabiting couples five, are five times more likely to experience infidelity. Anxiety and depression is lined with this pseudo-promises of life and purpose. 40% of disability worldwide is now due to anxiety and depression. 450% increase of depression from 1987 to this day. The way they say to best understand depression is a lack of hope, one psychiatrist says. Also heavily linked to this depression of lack of hope is a lack of purpose. But I find the irony in the fact that these people who are discrediting the word of God, and not everybody is discrediting it. Some people are simply naive of it. And that's why we thank the people like Tyndale, who was determined to get the hands, the, these manuscripts and this word into everybody's hands, the path into everybody's hands, so they will not live a life of naivety. Some are falling because of naivety, but some are choosing to discredit the word of God that brings life and truth. I find it interesting that anxiety and depression is heavily linked to depression. I find it interesting that the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to me. I find it interesting that the word of God says that I mean you good and not harm. I've come to bring you hope and a future which is linked to purpose. The very antidote to these horrible, horrific statistics is the Word of God. And it's the very thing the Romans tried to destroy. It's the very thing authorities tried to destroy in the 1600s. It is the very thing that people are discrediting. It's the very thing that Abraham paved the way for us to walk into. Do you know a recent study just last week by The Independent from a, from a group of people said these words, a study of 500,000 songs released in the UK between 1985 and 2015 revealed that pop music has sonically decreased in happiness and increased in sadness. In a report published in the journal Royal Society Open Science, researchers at the University of California Irvine examined hundreds of thousands of songs and categorized them by their mood. Happiness is going down, they said. Brightness is going down, they said. Sadness is going up. 
And at the same time, the songs are becoming more danceable and more and more party-like. You see, I just wonder, the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and aside of the word of God and the way of righteousness and truth, the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and is the life and society around us that is discrediting the word of God, are really shouting and saying, I'm empty, I am hollow, I am sad, I'm confused, and to cover up and try and to silence the voice at the depths of their heart, they're making the music louder, they're making it more party-like. In fact, statistics also say that the music tempo is getting faster and faster and faster. It's almost to the measure that our hearts are, are losing hope, to the measure of our hearts that are confused. It's to the measure that they're saying, make the music louder. May try and make it happier. Make it more party-like because I need to silence my heart that is screaming, there must be more to life than this. We cannot live the path of a life of lie. We are heading up the wrong mountain if we do not stand steadfast on the word of the living God who has paved a way for us to a life of righteousness, peace, joy, life, and eternal pleasure. Now, let's not be naive. This is not a silver bullet that if we attain to the path that takes us to the mountaintop of God's grace and purpose, are we never going to suffer depression? Are we never going to face suicidal thoughts? Oh, oh, that we're never going to get divorced. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is the statistics are far higher according to God's word, his infallible word, that generations are saved for us and fought for to maintain for us to run in the path of it and to have a hope and to have a future. Listen, the word of God brings life. The word of God is truth. And we must follow in the way of it. You see, because this mountain top away from God promises so much. But I heard a message the other day by one very wealthy businessman who had attained everything according to a natural perspective who said, I wish somebody told me that when I got to the top of this mountain, that it was empty and there was nothing there. Another said, I wish somebody told me that when I got to the top of this mountain, it is like having a bag with holes in it. Einstein said, doing the same thing and expecting a different result is a definition of insanity. Surely the heart's cry of our people are saying, I'm doing the same thing. I'm expecting a different result. But the statistics would speak to themselves that there is something fundamentally wrong. Something needs to change. Is there a link to the more that people push God out of society? The more they push his name aside, the more they try and destroy and devalue the living word of God that has been preserved for centuries and centuries, that we're falling deeper and deeper and deeper and further and further away from the truth. You know, there's a term called progressivism. Progressivism. And it's the idea in thinking 
that the more science we have, the more technology that we have, the more social reforms that we have, it will be, or economic reforms, it will be like a spiral that leads up, like a, a pathway that leads up to a mountain top of peace and of sanity and unity and harmony and we'll all live happily ever after. No, it's not working. It's failing. Are we going insane? The pathway that leads to the top of that mountain outside of the things of God is a spiral that's leading further and further and further and further into confusion and depravity. You're here today because you want to take the path of righteousness. You want to get to the top of the mountain of the living God because you've got an awareness that that is truth. That will lead to eternal reward. Yes, it's not easy. It's hard. It's paved with sacrifice. It's paved with hardships. But its reward is plentiful. These people here on the front row today are taking a step of obedience and faith to continue on in that path that leads to life. This map, the mountaintop of truth and life, is not there to steal our life, but to guard our life and lead us to true life. See, I was very fortunate, and I see myself very fortunate in life, that I came to a stage in my life where I'd laid down my career to pursue the way what I believed God was leading me to, to the ancient path for my life. And I was heading up a mountain. And up that mountain, I was running hard. It was a side of God. It wasn't the ways of God. It was lined with self-will, self-focus, ambition, and determination. But I was determined to get there. Halfway through that mounting track, it was as if God came and invaded in my life. I gave my life to him. But I was still on the same trajectory in terms of my thinking and my ambitions, although God had came and rescued me and was calling me slowly and working into my life gradually because he's merciful and gracious and loving to steer me back onto the right path so I could use all this energy, all this determination, all this healthy ambition for the things of him and not for the things of man and myself. I stood at the top of the mountain. I felt as if I had achieved everything I desired to achieve in my career. Every ambition as a young boy that I'd read in books, that I had seen in the movies, I felt as if I had got there. I felt privileged in that. I stood on the top of this mountain and to fund, when I left my military career, to fund myself in ministry, I looked at the view. To fund myself for ministry, I was a bodyguard. I was a close protection officer for the wealthiest men in the world. I mean wealthy. I mean your top 20 wealthiest men in the world, worth billions upon billions upon billions. 
I would live with them and I would live with their families. I was sent all over the world. I lived on super yachts. I lived in palaces. I ate in the finest restaurants that money could buy. Wealth after wealth that you cannot imagine. And as I stood on this top of this mountain, looking around at the splendor in the Caribbean or in the south of France off the coast of Saint-Tropez, I looked across the skylines and I felt I'd made it. And then this voice came to me, this God that I'd come to know so well, that I loved so much, who had helped me get to that top of that mountaintop. I said, Chris, have a look around. Do you like what you see? I said, yes, Lord. It's magnificent. <laughs> I thank you so much for where you've got me. And I, he said, Chris, well, enjoy it. Is there anything else that you want? I said, no, God. I'm happy. I've got money in the bank. I drive a nice sports car. I've got my own house. My career is, will just progress now to more money, more riches, partying all over the world. I wasn't partying at the time. I was a strong Christian in that world. But I looked around at these wealthy people, and I get to see behind the scenes of their life. I live with them. I live with their wives. I looked after their children. And I went, something is wrong. They don't look all that happy. They're insomniacs. They're depressants. Their children are on more medication that you can shake a stick at. They have to have full-time doctors by their side. This is not a happy picture of what life and society is projecting to be at the top of this mountain top. And he said, Chris, do you want to go on another mission? And I gulped because I felt the pain of the mission I've just been on to where I've just got to. And I thought, not really, God. I'm perfectly happy, thank you very much. But I knew inside me there was something missing. I knew I wasn't fully fulfilled of where I was. I could see the flimsiness and the veil of this life and world as very hollow and empty and cutthroat. I gulped. But from the depth of my being, something rose up in me and I said, yes, God, I'm ready to go on another mission with you. I love you so much. I've seen how you've cared for me every step of the way. I've seen how you've been faithful to me. I've seen how you've kept me alive. I've seen how you've kept me on the straight and narrow. I've seen how you've blessed me. I, I, I will go anywhere with you. He had built that trust with me. You see, God doesn't look from across the mountain, from where he's calling us to be. He rolls up his sleeve. He jumps over into that mountain of confusion and he rescues us and brings us alive. And then he walks with us until he can show himself faithful and true that you love him and trust him so much that you will go anywhere with him. He took me and said to me, Chris, there's a few rules to this new mission that you're going on that I need you to agree with, otherwise we cannot go. I said, okay, Lord, what are they? He says, number one, you've got to walk all the way back down to the bottom of this mountain you've scaled. And everything you've accumulated 
on the way up to this mountain top, you must now lay down. The other thing is, you're not going to know where you're going. You must follow me now every step of the way. I have walked with you, now you will walk with me. But I make you this one promise, my son. If we get to the top of that mountain, if you follow in my path and trust in me, as hard as it will be, because it's going to be foggy on that mountain, you're only going to see me in front of you and you're not going to know where you're going. I just need you to walk in my footsteps and trust that I will provide and protect as I have done so far in your life that when you get to the top of that mountain top, there'll be a view that will eclipse any view that you've ever seen and ever experienced, and it will have eternal reward. I said, God, let's get going. Let's get going. Now, it's painful coming back down that mountain after you've scaled for such a long time, but you just hold tight of its promise. It's hard letting go of things in your life and sacrificing the things in your life that you've worked so hard in your flesh to accumulate. But he promises you that he will bring it back in his way, in the right time. It may look different, but it will be worth it. We're going to the top of the summit of your life that Jesus has for us. It's the pathway that's been preserved. It's a pathway that's been tried and tested. It's a pathway of hope. It's a pathway of glory. You see, there's always a temptation as well when you're coming down this mountain. I can remember on many occasions looking across almost spiritually and seeing the mountain of getting to that top. And I thought, Lord, from up here, can't I just leap across this chasm and shortchange the whole process and just land myself there? Because I've already gone to come so far and worked so hard. Is there some things that I do have to lay down? Can I not just hop over? Can you just not beam me across to that mountain I see, just across the valley there? But no, it's only the way of Christ. It's only the way of the cross. And the way up is the way down. And it's by the way of the blood and by the way of the cross. There is no shortcut. It's only according to him and by his way. It's not lined with ease. It's lined with sacrifice, but it promises great hope. I want you today, wherever you are on that mountain, just to take one step. You see, there's a pseudo sort of mountain range and a false summit that is at the base of the mountain of promise, where sometimes we get caught up in. It's a false mountain range that looks like a mountain, but it's not. And we sacrifice, and we walk down the mountain, and we stand at the base of the new mountain with Christ Jesus. And in the midst of there, we can get lost. We can be tired. Sometimes we look to this top of this mountain that we're about to ascend, and we say, Lord, it's too high. Lord, it's too far. Sometimes we look at the top of it and say, I'm tired. I'm tired. Sometimes that previous mountain that we've been on has left us with some scars, has left us with a limp. 
it's left us with some sores. And we say, God, I can't go on. Sometimes we look back across that mountain range and sin has pleasure for a season. And we say, Lord, I remember the good times. This is quite hard work for me, actually. I just want to stay and reminisce of that view from the mountaintop. And we get stuck. We get bound. We get bogged down. And we become happy with just a small little mountaintop and hill instead of the summit of the mountaintop of full glory that he is promising for us. Is this you? Whereabouts are you in your life? Is God calling you down from that mountain of false promise? Has he intervened in your life? Are you on your way down? Or are you stuck in those foothills at the base of the mountain of promise where you're tired and you're weary? What is stopping you taking those next steps in following him on the greatest journey that has ever been created? The journey of Abraham that he pioneered. The journey that Essence preserved. The journey that Tyndale and Matt that he came to put in each and every one of your hands. I want to tell you today, and I have a word for you today. Wherever you are, just take one step. Just take one step, and he will meet you, and he will strengthen you. Even if you're on the path of promise right now and you're doing well and life's going well, you're being obedient to the way of God, then ask and pray, Lord, keep on strengthening me with might by your spirit in my inner man Then I can continue to stay faithful and take those steps because we've never made it until we've made it. It's not over till it's over and we need to persevere to get to that mountaintop of promise. Jeremiah 6.16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. You are here today to say, Lord, I want the path. I want the way of you. I'm taking another step today. On that step to get to the top of the mountain top, Abraham was promised in Genesis 15.5 that he was to look up into the sky and count the number of stars because that's how many descendants will live through him that he would have. See, he could have stayed Abraham in the small town and been the father of that clan, but he chose to follow God and he multiplied him and blessed him and cared for him and he became the father of of many nations. If he could count the number of stars in the sky, that would be his descendants. Whatever path you're on today, I want to encourage you with the acronym STARS. What is the star that you're facing for for your life? S-T-A-R-S. Write this down, because this will help you keep on the path and stay on the path to the mountain of truth. The S stands for strength and sacrifice. Listen, Christ will call you to sacrifice, yes, but he will give you the strength to do it. The S stands for strength and sacrifice. He has not left you destitute. 
He has not left you void. He will be with you. He will give you the strength when you choose the way of submission and sacrifice for the things of God. It's not easy to lay things down, but it will be the making of you. What do you need to lay down today? What is God calling you to sacrifice down that mountain or up that mountain that is weighing you down? What are you holding on to? Let go. He will strengthen you. The T stands for trust. Abraham, in Genesis 22, did the ultimate act of laying down his son, his promised son. But in the full context, in Hebrews 11:17, he knew that he would have that God would be able to even resurrect his son. He would never be letting him down because God had made an oath and promise with him. When you follow the way of him, he will make an oath and promise with you that he'll preserve you and he'll keep you as long as you stay on the path of him and follow him. He will lead, he will guide. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The A of stars stands for accept. There will come a place where you'll completely consecrate yourself and you'll accept the path of Christ and his leading. Accept him. You can trust him. And the R of star is reward. Focus on the rewards of heaven, not the pseudo lies and promises that the world has to offer. It's hollow. It's empty. Focus on the true riches and glory and the rewards of heaven because they're eternal and they will last. They will never perish. And the final S is supernatural. The way of Christ is supernatural. You are not fighting on your own strength or your own ability. You are not limited to the resources of science and technology and finances. No, you have the assets of the treasures and full riches of glory and powers of heaven behind you. Tonight, our senior minister is going to open up our eyes a little bit to this realm of the supernatural when he talks on angels. These are just some of the things that you have right by your side that are going to take you and lead you up to that mountain top. You have the whole riches of heaven and his armory to your disposal when you walk with him. It's supernatural. You don't understand where, when, how, or why. You just trust and Christ will get you there. Stars, strength and sacrifice, Trust, accept him, focus on his reward, and remember that it's supernatural. Let's stand to our feet here this afternoon, Kenston Temple. (laughs) Glory to God. Take one step today in the direction of the path of eternal life. Do not be distracted. Do not be deceived. Stay tight to the word of the living God. It's the pathway, the eternal pathway, that will lead you to fulfillment and eternal life and eternal reward. God is calling you back to the ancient paths today. He's calling you back on the path of Abraham and the Tinsdales pioneered for us. Break the mindset that I can't do it. Hallelujah. You're right, we cannot do it. Because in our weakness, he is our strength. He will give you supernatural power. That is the beginning. When we say, Lord, I can't do it. 
No, but he can and he will. Where's he leading you today? Come back to the path of truth. Come back to the ancient mountain path that will lead you to the summit of true life. He's going to sweep you and rescue you from that mountain of despair and confusion. He's going to bring you to the mountain of, of promise with your faithfulness and your obedience. If you're caught up in the false summits of the pseudo-mountain hills at the base of the mountain of truth, he's going to pick you up. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to say there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The old is forgotten. Behold, I make all new things. And he's going to establish your feet on that solid path, on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. He's going to hold you by his hand. His angel is going to encompass about you. You're going to be strengthened with the spirit of living God. And he's going to say, come my daughter, come my son. I'm going to get you to the mountain place of promise to a new horizon. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you for each and every soul in this place today. Whatever their challenge, whatever path they're on, I thank you, you're good and you're gracious. And they're here today to want to meet with you and to be led by you to the mountain of promise. I pray for your strength, your peace, and your blessing upon them. May that you strengthen them. May they put their whole trust in you. May they accept your call for their life. May they focus on your eternal reward and may they come to know that you're a supernatural God who's leading them in supernatural things. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Glory to God.